Welcome to The Lively Show. Let's explore the beauty of being alive. Hello, my friends, and welcome to today's show. Today is episode 400. Can you believe it? Oh my goodness. We're almost 10 years into doing this show come February next year, but 400 episodes. What a wild ride we've had. If you want to hear something crazy, go back and listen to my voice on episode one versus right now. I sound like a chipmunk. (laughs) Uh, So many things have changed, including my voice along this journey. And I just want to say whether this is your first episode you're listening to or the 400th episode you're listening to. Thank you so much for joining me on this very unpredictable, unexpected journey. When I started the show, I had a sincere, sincere intent to help anyone else like myself that was learning and growing and struggling along the way of being a human and trying to live a more intentional life. That was something that I already stumbled upon in my early part of the journey. We had many guests along the way. We've had many seasons and types of even Jesses along the way. And now into Bella. I mean, what? What? Like, this is crazy. I have no idea where we're going next in a grander sense of things, because I certainly couldn't have predicted where we've already been in the last 400 episodes so far. So let's see how this flows. What a lively show indeed. (laughs) Um, Yeah, just thank you for wherever you're at in the journey. Hopefully these Q&A episodes, which I'm about to do for you today, are some of those favorites for you. It's one of my favorite shows to do for you. And actually, this is kind of an interesting little turning point, we have next week our next uh, kind of wrap-up episodes with Jennifer and Danielle for The Beauty of Life. We'll still be catching up with them a little bit later and checking in on how they're doing in the future. We also have a new variation on The Beauty of Life we want to go forward with into the next half of the year as well. Some more details on that next week. And as it flows, we have a new offering for anyone that's new to our world. So as A Lively World has made this huge era transition between Jess Lively, as I was known and (laughs) named before, into the new chosen name of Bella Lively. There's been a lot of transitions in my own consciousness, obviously, and also the classes I've taught along the way. And though many longtime listeners have taken many classes that I've taught over the many, many years I've been doing things, we do know there are some people that will still continue to find us in a lively world now and going forward into the future that kind of missed out on the whole Jess era of my reality. And so for those people that are brand new coming into this kind of community and might be interested in it, we decided to create an archive of all of the Jess Lively content. So all the classes that I've ever taught as Jess Lively minus Life with Intention, I think is the only one that's not included just because that was like the baby class I did when I was, I say baby, I was probably in my mid twenties then, but I feel like a baby compared to where I am now. So I think pretty much every class that we, any class we have on our website that was taught as Jess Lively, any of those we still have the recordings of, those are included. There's 11 classes altogether. So you can go find out more. This is Flow with Intention, Magic Not Manual, C School, all the classics that you can think of that were taught. Bella Vita is even included in there. I think that might be one of the most recent final classes I taught as Jess or into this transitional phase. Um, yeah, so feel free to go and carouse, peruse the 11 classes. There's a total 111 lessons in the bundle. How aligned is that? 11 classes, 111 lessons in the bundle. And that totals because if you know my classes, and those new people won't really know this, I will sit for hours and help in 
until I basically can't think straight, can't speak straight, or have to go to the bathroom or something in the variations thereof. So I have 288 hours of content in this bundle. It is the Lively Archive bundle. If you wanna go check it out, it's at bellalively.com slash Lively Archive. It is, like I said, the whole kitchen sink of Jess Lively's teaching and 288 hours of content. It is bundled for the next 88 hours of this 400 episode from the point of this 400 episode going live for the next 88 hours. We're offering this offering for 888, so 888 US dollars. That comes down to $3.08 per hour of teaching, so a pretty good deal when you look at it in the bigger picture of things. Many people that do our recordings, whether they're taking the classes live and listening to the recordings if they don't want to sit for six or seven hours sometimes, as I can be known to do, they'll just listen as they're going on walks, doing errands. They kind of make it their alignment time. So by no means you have to sit and stare at the computer screen for 288 hours. You can just kind of have it on in the background of your life, as many of our class members have done over the years. I think we have something like seven or 8,000 students that have taken our classes in this arena of stuff. So that's just incredible. And in the future, after the 88 hours is over, it'll go to the regular price of $9.99 for this mega bundle. And that comes out to $3.47 an hour. So still a pretty affordable price per hour if you break it down that much. So if you're really gonna go all in, you can still get all of this at a really great deal. Otherwise, the classes are still gonna be available individually. So if you just want one class, by no means, if you just want embodied alignment about finding that inner peace within your body space, that obviously you can still just get that or you can do like unlimited aligned abundance for example but these are also included in the training so if you want to you're welcome to take the training so now aside from that let's go into your q a's guys i'm so excited i love doing these so much they're just like a way of connecting with you even if you've never taken a class it's sometimes a chance for me to engage with you know people that are listening. So thank you so much for your questions. Let's dive in. Number one, Ellie Bennett says, hey, Bella, I'd love to know your thoughts on good and evil. I understand the concept from a non-duality that there is no right or wrong, but it seems hard to deny the presence of evil in our world. Just something I've been mulling over and would love your thoughts. Well, I would say, yes, one of the trippy things that you learn from the inner voice is that there is no such thing as right or wrong to the inner voice. So to the inner voice's point of view, one of the classic line of questions I could ask any and if I get them into their inner voice, they will say is like they would be loved just as much as Oprah and just as much as someone very challenging to love, like the idea of Hitler or something. And I know that sounds so edgy. Even I do this all the time with my clients, but even saying that on a show, I just know that can be so triggering to minds, but it's is so triggering to minds to hear how the inner voice sees things. The inner voice doesn't put right and wrong people out there. It doesn't deny the sense of fear. And so one of the things I would say around evil is that this sounds like a quote I always think about from the Course in Miracles, which says there anything that is not love is a cry for healing or help. So anything that on the lens of the evilness of anything would be coming from a place of fear more than it would be of love. And so evilness is just someone who's very, very, very afraid. I know that sounds crazy to people. They're like, wait, how can someone that's doing something really aggressively evil, air quotes there, um, be afraid? They're like the ones, I should be afraid of the evil one, right? <laughs> However, why is the evil one doing that? 
because they're afraid. They're afraid of something or they feel like they need to control, manipulate, and have power. Why? Because there's a sense of a lack of power inside themselves. If they knew that they were creating their own reality completely, they wouldn't need to control the other's realities because they know they wouldn't be limited by the others and needing their power in order to be successful. So it just like doesn't compute logically. It also makes me think of that somebody that's the strongest person in the room doesn't have to prove it. I forget where I heard that quote a long time ago, but I always think of the man, the actor from The Green Mile and how big and strong he is in most places. He doesn't probably have to prove he's the strongest. He just knows that he is. And as he is, he probably doesn't have too much to worry about in the sense of, you know, let's say arm wrestling or something because he knows he can. And so anybody that feels like they need to go out there to control will be doing it from a place of lack or feeling like they need to prove something. So I would say that really is a very quick summation of things that might be considered evil. It's just a lot of lack of clarity and a lot of fear. And that fear stems into needing controlling manipulative behaviors of others in order to feel better in themselves. So that's at a very quick summary on that one. Um, Not to say there aren't fearful people here, because there are many, many fearful people. And so in that case, it kind of all smooths it all out. Yes, those people acting in those ways are afraid of something, and therefore they need to go out there and battle something else outside themselves. But once they kind of conquer that inner connection and know their unlimited power within themselves, they don't need to go outside to a less effective source. As Abraham says, one that's aligned within themselves is more powerful than millions who are not. So the idea of having to control millions outside of yourself becomes irrelevant once you (laughs) understand your unlimited nature within you. Okay, now we have Erica who said, Hi, Bella, love, love, love the joy and knowledge you bring to the world. My question sounds silly, but hoping I can explain it correctly. Sometimes when I'm struggling with a feeling or circumstance, I hear all is well, which of course resonates with me and I am okay. At the end of the day, I am okay. But what I struggle with, it I think it's my mind. It feels as if it rolls its eyes and I go into the mode of, well, nothing matters anyways, which I know is technically true, but I want to manifest more abundance, joy, etc. Not just nothing matters. I go to this repetitive thinking of nothing matters, all is well, I'm okay, I am safe. Maybe it's my ego protecting me. Hmm. Okay, so when it comes to all is well and just accepting that fate, it's kind of a similar feeling to that you know, all popular surrender that Michael Singer speaks about, the letting go that Eckhart Tolle speaks about, you know, this letting go of control from the mind. That part is what you're saying. But just remember this, and I think this can help clarify a lot and bring a little bit of Abraham physics in here too, uh, you know, the physics of this reality. So saying all is well and nothing matters from a place that can have two different, or obviously very, very many different frequencies. So somewhere on a spectrum of all is well, and you're really sad and low and resistant to nothing matters, or all is well in a trusting, high, hopeful, nothing matters, like with an exclamation point. So there's a huge spectrum of variance between the same statement and how you're vibrating about the fact that nothing matters. Does this make sense? So when I go to Bella Vita, for example, and I create my own inner reality and I love it so much, nothing matters. <laughs> so I'm just having fun with it. I'm not upset or morose about the fact that none of my objects in my other world are actually 3D in the sense that this world's 3D. I'm like, nothing matters. I can make it whatever I want. And I'm joyfully playing and creating in that reality in a very joyfully aligning way. 
But if you're here in this reality saying nothing matters and you're really depressed and you have no energy and your matching vibration is gonna create matching outcomes here, the match that depressed state of being, that's not gonna create a very pleasant reality. Nothing will matter, but it won't be very pleasant to be in that nothing matters reality. So you can be very joyously trusting and not worried about anything and a very high vibration of nothing matters, surrender, allow, or you can be in the really depressed version of that. So if you're on the depressed side of that scale and you have to check in with your feelings on that, try to get to neutral. Okay. So I'm not even going to try to get you to positive, joyful, frolicking in your non-physical reality with bunnies. I'm just going to say, try to beanbag all the resistance you have to nothing matters until you get to neutral. Truly neutral doesn't have an emotion. It's just clear. Nothing matters. Okay. I'm not thrilled about that. I'm not upset about that. I'm actually clear, which means you're not drained. If you still feel drained with the thought nothing matters, then there's still resistance. So it's still actually technically negative, not neutral. Sometimes I think the minds think that they're in neutral when they're still negative. <laughs> they're like, well, it doesn't matter. But they're kind of rejecting in the energy that they're putting out to that statement to be true. So when you're really neutral, it really won't matter that nothing matters. Right now, I can hear from the question, something does matter because you say, I know it's technically true, but I want to manifest more abundance, joy, etc. So there's a conflict in this frequency you're coming into. When you're really neutral, it won't really matter. And that's a really good place to be because then you can be clear and manifest from that clear space and the best the highest alignments can come to you. Of course, if you get to that neutral state, you might also get hopeful or curious or playful or more, you know, courageous because nothing matters. So go do whatever you want. <laughs> Don't be afraid of doing the things you truly want to do. So first be honest with where your nothing matters coming from and then go forward one step at a time out of any lower vibrations into the higher ones on the same nothing matters. It doesn't matter, but that can be a positive thing. And ultimately it's liberating it neutral. So you don't have to make it even high positive, but high positive matches high positive typical situations matching that, but you don't even have to go that high. Just getting to clear and neutral is also a very, very, very beautiful place to be. Okay, now we have Andrea Whalen who said, hello, beautiful Bella. My kids are 22 and 18 and just getting started on their next chapters. Is there anything you wish you knew at those ages that you know now or something you would tell young adults about this unfolding life? Thanks. I would teach them, this is 0% surprise for anyone that's following me. <laughs> I would teach them how to beanbag an inner voice because those are the two tools that I wish I knew at those ages. I slowly, from the age of 25, uncovered the inner voice. I think I had nudges of intuition definitely in these earlier stages as well and made very pivotal choices that were unpopular at the time, like starting my own business right out of school. Thankfully, I had my dad's blessing and kind of support on that. So I didn't feel like I had to rebel against my immediate family. However, I was the only entrepreneur in my college at the time. I was the only person that started my own company after college at the time. So I took a lot of unusual paths. And I did that from my intuition, not from my dad telling me to do so. I just had his blessing in doing it. But really, my intuition was at that time, I didn't hear my inner voice, but I had the clarity knowing from my internship in college at Macy's doing baby clothes and product development. That was my internship in my college years. I knew that I was, I could tell that I was a people pleaser, kind of approval seeker. And especially at that age, for sure. I was definitely one of those high achieving kids for love and approval from the, the 
peers and professors, kind of parents, peers, professors looking for all those A's for all of that attention and love. So I knew myself well enough to know that this little grasshopper would climb a corporate ladder if there was one for the boss's approval, like I would have for when I was young with my parents' approval. So I decided to start my own company, this jewelry company I had at the time, so that I could spend the time working on my own projects, which was jewelry at that time, in order to, as I did that, figure out how to help other people because I was so miserable at the time. I promised myself in the business school library one day, I was so unhappy and miserable. I was like, there's gotta be a better way to live life than this whole work hard, play hard thing. I have no idea what the other option is, but there's gotta be a better one. And when I figure it out, I'm going to help other people do that. And here we are 400 episodes later, (laughs) 15, 16 years of work later doing that mission along the way. So beanbagging and getting that trauma out is huge and and also helpful for hearing the inner voice and then teaching them how to do that in a more concrete way would definitely, of course, be what I would teach anyone at any age, basically. So that's where I answer for you there. Emily Ciara Bellini said, hi, Bella. I'm curious about your thoughts on A Course in Miracles. The author said that the book had been given to her via inner dictation from Jesus Christ. I'm on board with inner voice work, but a word from Jesus is where I get tripped up. All right. Well, if you don't like the Jesus Christ thing, you don't have to read the book, first of all. Optional only. It's a book. It's channeled. Apparently, Jesus Christ. Apparently, I had read the book, and I think I just mentioned it recently in this episode. So it's it's a great text. It was probably the first channeled text that I ever encountered. But I actually don't remember the Jesus Christ part of it personally, because I read it so long ago. But even still, I was never triggered or traumatized by Jesus or Christianity. I was given a Catholic background and upbringing, but no family pushing on that subject. So I took to it naturally as I wanted to take to it. I didn't have to take to it at all, like my brothers didn't take to it at all, but I did. I think I had many lives probably over many, many lifetimes doing esoteric, Gnostic, probably Christian, like probably all of the non-physical studies and spirituality, the mystics, like all of that feels very, very familiar or comfortable. It feels like my wheelhouse in a way. So I would never look at that as necessarily trauma. I probably would look at it as more of an affiliation on some soul level that never looks at it in a bad way. That said, I also was equally keen to learn Buddhism when I was in high school and college, philosophy, the Greek philosophers, all of the study of wisdom fascinated me. So I would say with you with the book, if you don't like the author, don't read it or try to read the text if you're curious about it and see how you like the words. If you like what it says, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You don't have to like everything it says. You don't have to worry about the word Jesus Christ. Like what if you just like the text? If it helps you, it helps you. If it doesn't help you, it doesn't help you. So I'd say take what you want from me, from Eckhart, from Buddha, from Jesus, from Gandhi, take from anybody, from your mother, take from your father, from your neighbor, take what you want from everybody and leave the rest. And if this title or the author of this book or channel text throws you off, You don't have to go there, but if you want to, it could be very interesting and maybe could be, you know, releasing some beliefs and beanbags around the subject of Jesus Christ, because I think (laughs) Jesus Christ gets a bad name by all the people that later didn't understand what Jesus Christ understood (laughs) and then projected in the name of Jesus Christ. And they did a bunch of fearful, potentially even as the one person quoted earlier, evil things. And it's like, well, that's not him. (laughs) That's the people that came after him. So I would say for any text or any, you know, source, 
use your intuition. You definitely don't even need to go to any source like that. You can always go inside yourself and tap into your own enlightened self. You don't have to go to, to the Course in Miracles if even you don't want to. But I, I loved the text back in the day. I probably didn't understand a fraction of it to the depth that it was giving, but I could still understand that what I was reading was very wise. And some things really stuck with me, like the if um, everything that's not love is coming from a place, a cry for healing or help. That one really stuck. I also love the, t- uh, the one message that said that the words that you'll need will come not a moment before or a moment after the moment you need to say them. So you don't need to prepare to have a conversation that's heavy with somebody. You don't have to predict what you're going to say, prepare and have a conversation in your head ahead of time. You can do it spontaneously and trust that the right words will flow in the moment, kind of basically channeling yourself about the truth of your experience. And that was something that I love and always remembered and took on board from that book. But I'm sure there's many other great things that those are the two that stuck and stand out the most to me now. Okay, now we have Amy Kunkel Creative who said, I might be too late, but I thought it'd be fun if you did a top 10 of your favorite podcast episodes of The Lively Show. Maybe its own episode. Um, I wonder if Rob Bell makes the cut or the list goes on. Oh, that's that would be a different show. I think for me to sit and think about 10 specific episodes would probably take longer than we want to waste in this specific one since I have so many questions and I really want to get to everybody's question if I can today. So I'll say let's peg this for a potential different episode. But I did really love talking to Rob Bell when I did on the show. You could find that one if you want to by searching The Lively Show on Rob Bell. I was very excited. If you listen to that episode, you can tell in my voice. Now we have Alexis Bledshaw who said, will the collective ever come back? And if so, could they touch on manipulation, abuse, etc.? I've been trying to connect with my inner voice on the topic and it feels like I have a lot of releasing to do first. Yes, the collective is amazing. It's a channel that Annie Francoeur, our amazing community member, channeled for us on the show, and we did the Coco with her as well. It was a collective collective, um, which has private recordings. You can go get those if you want to in our shop as well. But will they come back? I've thought about that. I definitely would have them come on for a new specific topics. We covered so many other topics in the past. I actually have a topic that's not exactly this one, but I have another one that's on my mind that if it flows, when it flows, I may have them on for. So they may make a reappearance. So thank you for asking. Now we have Amy Johnston photo who said, can we ever know if you'll get back together with someone or not, or just trust that the universe expands for our highest good in whatever way that is, whether that's being back together or remaining apart. My inner voice says, yes, we will be, but I'm having a hard time right now with the physical separation. Oh, I can really have a lot of compassion. I'm sure you're hurting a lot right now if you're wishing for it to come back together and it isn't right now. And it's interesting that you heard your inner voice say yes. And I guess you're just going to have to live step by step, day by day, and see if that actually happens or not. And truth will tell as you go whether it does happen or whether it doesn't happen or whether it happens for a day, a month, a week, or the rest of your lifetime. So there's no specific answer I can give you that's more accurate than your inner voice. However, I would suggest if it's helpful to to really do the best you can to find the place that you vibrationally feel inside that understands that the logic of may the best and highest be for both of us, whether that's together or apart happen 
is ultimately the only logical answer to have on the on the subject. If we are truly the best and highest for ourselves, may we come back together. And if we are not the best and highest potential for ourselves, may we not come back together. If you can get to that place, that is a very, very powerful sense of surrender, but from that trusting alignment place of saying, I'm choosing the best and highest life for both of us. And that if it's the best and highest for me to be with him. Therefore, it has to be the best and highest for him to be with me. And if it's not the best and highest for him to be with me, then it's not the best and highest for me to be with him. So you have to have that natural alignment that is truly the best. And if it is, if these two puzzle pieces are the best fit for this life together, then that is the best fit. And if it's only right for one, it can't be only right for one. (laughs) There's just more fear in one than the other. If that makes sense. I know that might be edgy to hear, but it's true. Like, and if that means that for one of you figures out that it's not right first for them, that has to mean for the other person, it's also right for the other person. In this case, it could be you, it could be him who figures this out first, but going for the true and honest, best and right for both, whether that's together or whether that's apart, if you can get to that vibrational place, it might be a lot of beanbagging to get there, but if you can get there, you're really choosing the best outcome rather than just compromising for the fear of the unknown, saying, well, this is the best I've ever had to this point and it can't get any better than this. That's not true at all. That's just the sense of fear entering your life because you can't imagine it being better. That does not mean it couldn't be better. It just means you can't mentally imagine it beyond. But your intuition has all the potentials in your soul to choose from, not just the very relatively few that you've actually lived out in this lifetime so far. So yeah, trusting and allowing obviously becomes major major stuff, um, but also very helpful when you're kind of really making those bets, bet on your soul picking the highest potential from the entire storehouse of potentials rather than your mind in fear, just scrambling to what it last knew, especially if it's already ended. There might be good reasons that it ended and they could come back together or it could be setting you both up for new and higher potentials going forward together or apart. Now we have Candace Dawn West who says, for q and I'm curious how you approach things such as beauty from a toxicity standpoint, if that makes sense, such as beauty products containing ingredients that may be harmful, etc. Obviously, this could apply to food and household products. I'm assuming you trust your inner voice and don't worry about it, but I thought it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts and process. Yeah, so this is something I don't have any limiting stories about. I think when I was younger, I might have been more, I don't know. No, I don't even think I was very attached to this story when I was young too much either. When it's possible to have a beautiful, effective, natural product, that tends to be what I tend to gravitate towards naturally the most. But when there is a different, beautiful, effective product that may be considered or deemed quote unquote, less natural by some people, but it works super, super well for me. And I love using it. It's super aligning and brings so much joy. I don't worry about it. I just go with the best and highest. So I kind of go for a life of 10 out of 10. So I like the 10 out of 10 things of my life. And sometimes the 10 out of 10 is having ginger at night and black garlic in the morning and collagen powder. And then it's, you know, it's just, and then there's like self-tanning lotion. that's not natural at all. And I put that on my body and it's still a 10 out of 10. I don't look at, it's about the joy the experience brings me. And I just don't have a lot of stories. I deleted a lot of the mass consciousness, limiting fears, 
fears and beliefs around things and just go into my intuition basically and just do what makes me feel good. I think so many people are kind of drowning in information out there on the internet and in other people's brains that might be right for them and then feeling this kind of weird pressure to follow what other people say versus what their intuition guides them to. And I think that also you see that a lot with Abraham questions over the years when people ask about, I remember them talking about eating Oreos or Twix bars or something like that. Abraham said, if you feel like it's what your body wants and it's the thing to eat, don't worry about it. Like anything for the most part, body can handle quite a bit if it's in alignment. But if it's not in alignment to something, don't eat it. If you think that like, inorganic apples are really horrible for you and you really hold that belief truly don't eat inorganic apples because you're gonna your body's gonna respond to the belief that you're holding about it so the beliefs are hugely impactful as much as the products themselves so keeping that in mind i think is also important but yeah i just don't hold the mass consciousness stories to a lot of things i find that my intuition even when it comes to like curly hair versus straight my intuition's like just love your hair no matter how you do it if you do it straight you do it curly it's up to you it's the play of your life to to choose what you want to do with it. Just love it. As long as you love what you're doing, that's the win. It's not like there's a right way or a wrong way. Just like we went back to good and evil. There's no like curly hair is good and straight hair is bad or vice versa. It's just about choosing and loving your choices and playing from a place of love and expressing yourself with your products or your hairstyle or whatever than it is to the judgment of other people on, let's say, for example, social media or YouTube. Okay, so now we're going to have Felicity who says, how to introduce the most muggle of a spouse to their inner voice without them directly knowing what you're doing. He's resistant to change and efforts everything to death. Also, any specific suggestions for a family meditation app or practice, mostly to support a preteen middle school child? I don't have any suggestions for the family meditation app or practice because I haven't found one or come across one. I don't use meditation apps, so I don't know of any to suggest there. As far as the muggle of a spouse with their inner voice, I've done a lot of inner voicing with different people about similar subjects for themselves and their partners. And what I typically, I'm just going to summarize a lot of the findings I found from inner voices that the, like the, let's say, for example, the person I'm working with is a wife of a partner that, uh, you know, is muggling things and they want to influence them to do this kind of work. Like you're asking the inner voice usually says to this person that's asking this kind of question that it's not up to them to try to make the other person do this kind of work. It's more about them embodying the work themselves from the pure joy of doing it for themselves and letting the spouse find their own way with it, whether they do soon or later or what have you. The inner voice usually doesn't guide to taking any steps to secretly teaching them other than living from this place in themselves authentically, the, the person that's doing the inner voicing and staying from that place in themselves. But usually the inner voice of that person isn't bothered like the mind of that person is to the partner's behavior. So I'm gonna let that be my answer as well because obviously it's a really good one that is coming from inner voice on a very similar subject, but just probably from like six or 10 different people's inner voices on a subject like that, that I've listened to over the years. Now I have Rona who says, hey, Bella, I have a question for you. How do you handle happiness? I know it's an odd question, but I've been finding it hard to let happiness be without sabotaging it. It just feels so foreign to me. And then another question. I feel like since I'm leading my life with more intuition, it's hard for me to commit to plans that are not in the near future. Any insights on that? Well, I'll say to the plans in the near future, 
I would say that definitely feels like a season I see some of my friends in and a season of life that I also have been in. So there is a phase, I would call it in the spiral dynamics journey, like that yellow phase. There's a phase in there. What I'm just making up a story, like between 20 and 45% of the way through that journey, there's this huge growth spurt that happens that kind of, or maybe it's like 70% away through the yellow journey, but There are phases where there's a lot of growth happening, a lot of rewiring happening, a lot more awareness coming in, and a lot more clearing out of the old archives of energy and emotion. And so that upswing and downswing of the emotions and the energy they have for the external world, they're very sensitized people. I also had sensitivities to food at that time. My skin was acting out like crazy. Like there's a lot of sensitivity. And that also can have to do, I, I find, with the introversion, extroversion of people too. So I would say just go through the flow of that. It's not unusual. When I see my friends going through that phase, I know I can't really count on their plans necessarily because they're unreliable for the phase that they're in. Some of them, it might just be how they've always been. But other times I used to be very reliable and dependable in that kind of way. And that, then I got to a place where I couldn't. Now I'm pretty good with the next week or two, but you know, it's always up for the unknown. And I'm not afraid to cancel plans if it doesn't feel aligning. And I just honestly tell the other person the 100% truth that I don't feel well. And nobody I've ever had ever be upset at me for not feeling well and just telling them that 100% truth. So I, I just would say, you know, I can totally relate to that. I see it in my friends. I've seen it in myself in different phases, more and less. And still, I would just say, Rest when you need to rest. Sleep when you need to sleep. Be gentle with yourself along the way. And those growth spurts of consciousness keep happening. And sometimes things get steadier. Sometimes they get a little more unpredictable. It's all okay, whichever way it's coming. As far as handling happiness, I mean, you ask how I handle happiness. I don't think I self-sabotage it mentally. I don't think my mind identifies any self-sabotaging, but it sounds like you might be doing that because it's foreign. I would just watch that pattern of trying to self-sabotage rather than make it wrong. Say, oh my gosh, there is a part of me that's trying to self-sabotage. That's so interesting. Don't judge it. But if you could even identify it as a pattern in your mind, it's like identifying instead of a beanbag, identifying that thought pattern that wants to sabotage and catch it. If you can pull enough awareness out to do that, that could be a really powerful way to dis engage that pattern from continuing to happen. Okay, so now we have Megan Stafford who said, hey Bella, would love to know about when you were in cocoon phase and I recall you saying at times you were bored with this reality and you were ready to die to experience the next. I'm not feeling ready to die, but I'm feeling depleted and wondered what your thoughts were on overcoming energy drain in the cocoon phase. Thank you. Yes, I definitely felt that phase that you mentioned. I was very ready to go on. The way I would describe it is like somebody that's ready to leave a party and just wants to go home. Uh, I've been at the party a long time, according to my inner voice, (laughs) a very, very, very long time. And so yes, there is no fear or hesitation on my part to wanting to go leave the party. Or you could also put it another way as like, I just really want to go to college and of staying over and over again in high school. And so, you know, if you had a high schooler that's on their second year or their 1,052 year of high school, and they're just really excited to go forward. They're excited. That's how I feel. So that isn't so much about 
like a depression, call the suicide hotline because this world is too much. It's more of an excitement and an eagerness for the new rather than just sticking around the same old playpen <laughs> that I've been on for a long time. But that wasn't your question. Your question was about um, the fact that you're not feeling great and you're feeling depleted and the overcoming energy energy drain. I would say that it sounds counterintuitive, but I think it's really feels really true for me. Don't try to overcome anything. That would be like saying to a child, a teenager going through puberty, how do you overcome puberty? You know, or if you have a first trimester mother, how do you overcome being tired in the first trimester of your pregnancy? It's more about just being able to gracefully go through the experience with as much compassion and comfort as possible. So for you, I would actually say, don't try to overcome the energy drain and psych yourself up into some crazy energy level or something. Don't try to Tony Robbins your <laughs> energy into some state of being that's not what it is. At that stage of the journey, if you're really in a cocoon phase, that's really going forward in the journey. It's not about psyching your mind up and your energy up to go forward in a mental efforted way. It's about allowing the journey to unfold just like you do with a you know, first trimester or a teenager that sleeps a lot. Like take the rest you need, sleep when you need to sleep, be gentle, eat the foods that feel comforting and good to you. Not from your mind and depression, of course, but from your gentleness of your inner voices, love and guidance for you. Be gentle in that phase. It may not last forever. So I really sincerely doubt it will last forever. So it's more about just being gentle as you're in it. The ebbs and the flows I think are just kind of generally unknown to most people because so few people have gotten to those phases to know that they're normal and that they won't stay that way forever. So let me just say for those that are, you know, excited to hear it, it won't last forever. Like that feeling of being flaky and unpredictable because your energy is so up and down or the energy drain that you're just meaning mentioning here. It's okay. It's so okay. All right. Now we have, um, someone who wants to be anonymous and says, I'm a homebody, but I often feel so much joy when I drag myself out for little adventures. Because it's always a, it will be fun once I get their situation, it rarely feels aligned to get ready and leave the house and go somewhere. I have to really force myself until I actually arrive where I'm going. Has this ever happened to you? Do you think it means I should just stay home until it feels more aligning to leave? Or is it just missing out on the day's highest joy? I would talk to your inner voice about this and see if there is a past life situation that's afraid of leaving the house. I know that sounds so weird, but I've just seen so many situations unfold where there might be something deeper at play. This could be the case. It may not. If you're very new to this stuff, that might be a little bit kind of unhelpful, to be honest, because you might not be that connected to your inner voice. You might be highly suspect about the idea of even having past lives. So your mind being able to open it up enough and then even to know what to do with that information might be questionable. But there is a chance that this feeling of fear of leaving the house is actually stopping you from something deeper than your mind in this reality. There also, as another answer, could be beanbags on the getting ready thing, or it could just be that your inner voice wants to stay home. So I would ask your inner voice, which of the three is right for you on the subject and then go with what your inner voice says and ask 10 more questions to whatever answer it gives. Like, how do I let go of the past life or help that part so that I don't have to feel this in myself anymore, if that's the answer you get. Or if you have beanbags and it's just this life and you have these weird old stories and emotions to release so that you can just get ready in peace without these beanbags blocking you, then let that be your inner voice inquiry. 
And if it's saying, no, it doesn't want to leave that day, the house, then have the courage to, you know, ask in a voice, what do you want to do in the house instead? And just let it all be okay. For me, I don't know if this is helpful for anyone, but I have for the last many months, actually, ever since I've been in London, since February, I have spent, and even in Sydney, I think this was happening, I've had about one day a week that I've just stayed in the house all day, as if it's COVID quarantine, although it's not, it's just my elected choice. But I have found I'm just, I think it's some of my happiest days, actually. Most peaceful, happy days are just in my house by myself all day. And then it kind of recharges my batteries, especially here in London, where the energy is quite busy and intense. And I can go into areas where there's quite a lot of people sometimes. Other times I don't at all. I spend a lot of time walking through the parks, which really feels good. But I do, I'm in a high density area. There's lots of sirens and sounds and everything. So having a beautiful retreat space that I can just stay in one day a week and just be with myself is just such a joy. So I don't feel bad about that at all. In fact, it recharges my energy so that I can go out in the world and have fun. So maybe that's also something to lean into for yourself if it feels like a fit for you. But again, it'll feel aligning to do that because it feels aligning when I leave the house and it feels aligning when I stay. Now we have Julia who said, uh, do people always feel their beanbags in very specific location and in a certain shape? I just somehow feel generally anxious and overwhelmed at times. And when I try to dive in, it feels like there's a sort of pressure all around. And I find it hard to focus on it because it's so wide. Thank you for everything you do. It's really life-changing. Okay, yes. If you're feeling it all over the body or all around in a wide space, that's still the place that it's showing up. Turning your awareness to how it is, no matter how big, how small, how heavy, how delicate, how sensitive, how light, how in intense, how subtle it is, turning your awareness into that sense of shape or space, big or small, doesn't matter. It could be super big. It could be all over your body. It could be like a cloud all around you. Whatever it is, that's okay. Just go into it and feel into the feeling that you're feeling in the space so that you can kind of coagulate it to generally being. It could be big. That's totally fine and wide. Going in to dissolve until completion is the, the key. Okay, now we have... Vida Deleuze, who says, what are some of your fave tips for moving past issues with money, such as debt, scarcity mindset, feeling like one never has enough, feeling like there's a ceiling as to how much one can earn? This question is something I struggle with almost daily. I have to work to support myself and my kids and earn a decent salary, but I'd rather be doing other more fulfilling things like more time with my kids, growing fruits and veggies, working out, going on walks, having some quiet time by myself, etc. How do I surrender to the fact that I have to spend so much time working instead? Okay, so when it comes to this, there obviously is two things that are seem to be missing from the Vita de Luz, from the answer you're giving. One is obviously, well, they're not missing. There's just two pathways I haven't seen you share about. So one is the beanbagging of these issues. Now, these issues, if they're at all relative and related to your younger years with your parents and seeing this kind of debt, scarcity mindset, working hard kind of thing from when you were young from your parents, that can make this a lot stickier because you'll have a lot of really young emotional stuck moments that might still be in your as Abraham would call it, the vibrational craw or the old archive, the junk in the trunk of your mind that haven't been released yet. And so if you had a lot of parental stories around this and experiences like this, it could be stuck from when you were young, watching that be their story and taking on similar emotions or emotions related to their stuck situations. And that vibration still might be manifesting in your reality now, making it true for you as well. It doesn't have to be true. It's just 
a carryover from the emotions when you were young. Even weirder and more magical is that it could even be, I say magical in <laughs> quotes here, because even more uh, complicated and sometimes accurate, it could also have to do with past lives that came in with this. So it's not even the parents that where this all began. But either way, beanbagging the emotions as much as you can to the point where you're able to hear your inner voice would be where I try to get to. And I didn't, you didn't mention how good you're at listening to your inner voice or hearing it. But once you've released as many of these frustrating beanbags, as you mentioned, you've got a lot of them. You've, you've, you've mentioned a lot of things. So I would actually, if you're like, I don't know where they are, I would say, reread your question that you asked me and then look at the how to move past issues with money such as debt. Okay, debt. Where are your beanbags around debt? So feel into the body and see the subject of debt, where are the feelings and release those beanbags. Then go on to scarcity mindset. Okay, you mentioned that one. Where are the beanbags and stories and stuff associated with that? Feeling like one never has enough. Okay, where's that story? Where are those emotions? Not so much the story, but where are those emotions that come up when you write that down? And then the ceiling that as to how much one can earn. Where's that? That's an emotional trigger as well. Once you've cleared out as much of that as possible, you might get clearer into being able to access your inner voice and then ask your inner voice, how do I surrender to the fact that I have to spend so much of my time working instead? Inner voice, is this how much you'd work? Inner voice, is there anything else I should do about work? Inner voice, what about money? <laughs> inner voice, I wanna grow veggies instead of working so much. You've got a lot of potential aspects to ask your inner voice about and I don't have those answers for you about what's right for your inner voice. Your inner voice could tell you to keep working because it loves it and it wants you to keep working right now. Or it could say, I've been telling you to quit your job for the last two years. Why are you still working? I don't know. Anything in between that, of course, and other potentials are possible. But understanding what's true in your own inner voice for you is where your answers are going to be found. I don't have a one fit solution for every person because every person's inner voice is guiding them uniquely for them. But I can say that the discomfort the mind feels comes from those emotional places. And understandably, of course you feel that way based on all the situations you've had come up and all the situations are manifesting from these feelings. So of course it's like the echo is this way. It's like, if you're in a canyon and you yell and you go, echo, 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 and it's like you put the energy out and then it's reflected back in the canyon back at you. It's like, of course it's saying that because that's what's echoing back. It's not that you want what's echoing back at you to be what's back at you. It just is what it is. And that's one thing that we can say is we can take any judgment or shame off of ourselves for the manifestations we've had and just recognize this is more of like a physics behavior than it is like a conscious choice. Like you didn't consciously mentally choose to go have all these beanbags on the subject, but the fact that they're there, the good news is you can release them. And so that's the good news. It's And the good news is they're not needing to be permanent. And ultimately, they can't be permanent. That's another good thing to know. At this life or another life, you're going to get out of this because all is well. <laughs> the inner voice is the you that's probably already gone through all of this and got out the other side. So in some other time, space, now reality moment, it's guiding you very gently, very peacefully, very safely into the next moment, in the next moment, on the way to letting go of all of these limitations. And isn't that nice? Even if you don't figure it out now, eventually it gets sorted out. So the inner voices say. Okay, now we have Jen Lara who said, for the Q&A, what is your intuition drawn to in your daily outfits? How does your intuition describe your style? What does Jess the character say? 
Well, I'd say Jess the character is not how I, I wouldn't go to Jess, that she's someone from my past. And, you know, obviously I know that Jess is a, a name that I've had, but it feels so fun to just be like, yeah, that's not, because Jess, to me, I associate with a certain level of my consciousness and experiences in life and limitations. And I'd say Jess the character had a lot more limitations on stuff, even like style than Bella does. So that's pretty cool. Um, but as far as what does my intuition drawn to in daily outfits, it's not really drawn to any specific thing other than what it feels comfortable in that day. So if I'm really in a state of awareness as I'm getting dressed and trying on different pieces of clothing, I will sense this feeling of comfort and um, just clicks in, like clicking into place, like like loosening a jar, opening a jar, closing a jar, just clicks in. And so there's this clicking in, I've noticed feeling that happens when I get the outfit just tuned in just right. And that feels really good. Um, the other things, how does the intuition describe the style? Beautifully simple in all ways. And also uh, my mind would like to add like quality, I've noticed. My intuition really loves quality items, especially as I've let go of all my possessions from the Jess era of my life and gone into the Bella era. I've noticed my intuition doesn't spare any expense for quality items. And it's, I asked about that to my intuition. It's like, geez, this is what you're going to get. And it's like, yes, because the energies of those quality items are what it aligns to. It's not always price related, but often in our reality right now, a lot of times, not all times, a lot of times, quality and price go together. There's a lot of times where there's lower prices now in certain things, but the quality also is lower. And other times it's not. Like I have this one, for example, Uniqlo sling bag that everybody has. It's a very popular bag style and it suits me so well and it works so well and it wasn't very expensive, but the quality is still really good. So it's not always um, price related, but it loves energy and quality. So that's something that I've noticed. And it's been fun to travel the world and also over the years explore different styles and expressions. I definitely had a much more boho, Bali chic vibe when I was between Cape Town and Bali and Mexico and Portugal. And that was really fun. And I love that I've got that kind of style in my wheelhouse. And I love that I've had that experience in my life. And now I'm enjoying all of the things that suit me so well in London. For example, blazers. This place, it loves blazers as a trend, but also it's such a good jacket and outfit combo type of thing to have with the weather here. I'm getting so, like, I use a blazer almost every single day to stay warm enough, but not too warm outside. So that's something that I used to actually feel even last summer when I was here, I felt like I had this limiting belief that blazers would make me look like too much, like a, like a boss at a, at a department store or like a hostess at a restaurant. I just thought it would look really professional on me, but I don't do anything professional, you know, so I'm not looking at the blazers as something I want to look like I'm, I'm a boss at the store. I just want to look like I'm at the store shopping or doing whatever I'm doing in shopping or living my life. And so now I've become the flipped opposite of that. Now I'm like wearing blazers all the time and I love it. And it's like something that I've been able to incorporate the energies of. I also usually always avoided for the most part growing up heels and now I'm loving heels and I go out and now I have this whole combination of shorts and some kind of top and a blazer to go out with my friend Didi. And it's just like my new favorite thing and mixing up the different shorts and blazers I have. It just feels so fun. So I'm just having a blast with it all. And I just keep letting the evolution of it all happen. And I just, I just find it endlessly fun.
I just, I, I just have so much fun with it. Okay, now we have Julianne who said, for the Q&A, maybe not what the episode will be geared towards, but I'm heading to London. Any places not to miss? Restaurants, bars, cafes, shops, and parks. I would say head over to my Instagram at Bella Lively World. I have two... F- almost full, but two London highlight saved. And so there's tons of my favorite places, spaces, restaurants, foods, everywhere I go regularly, you'll see linked there. So I'd say go peruse that and then click the hyperlinks when they're mentioned and then go to the locations that, that sound good to you from there. Now we have Aaliyah who said, I'm having a hard time conceptualizing your process for creating Bella Lively World. I think you mean Bella Vita, but the world. Could you talk about the process? Did you start building this world in deep meditations? Did it take a life of its own and now you visit engage with it? Could you please elaborate? Thank you. So this Bella Vita is a little planet, another realm or dimension. It's non-physical. I bring my awareness there as often as it feels fun throughout my day and my weeks, etc. I spent a lot of time creating it last year year, especially. It was my favorite thing from the second half of 2022. I actually have a whole six-week audio course. If you want the actual in-depth, complete information, the complete guide to it, by all means, it's over on bellalively.com. It's called Bella Vida. Um, But the short answer to this, I didn't do deep meditations in any formal way. I just know that I'm awareness as we all are, and we're not bound to this reality only. And so as we are just awareness creating and experiencing in this reality, we also can create and experience in any other realities we'd like to create. So as I know this, and as I choose this, I go make a fun place to go. It's almost like a kid making a clubhouse or my actual home that nobody can take away from me. No matter how many times I live in different places and my intuition flows me to different countries and apartments, etc., and homes, I can create a space that is my home in the non-physical that only I can implode and only I can change. And nobody has the keys to it but me. Only I can go there and I can add to it whatever I want. It's like Sims, but in my own imagination in my own creation. And so I just do whatever I feel like in it and it is beautiful and wonderful and I love it so much and I just do whatever I feel like. Oftentimes I'll create a bit of an avatar. I have puppies as well that I've been made up. You hear all about it in Bella Vida. Um, But also I drop my whole body form entirely in certain parts of my planet. I have a core center of the earth with crystal aligned beautiful hollow space. And I just go there and I just literally chill out. Don't think, don't have a body, don't have emotions and just drop all of the 3D of this reality or any imaginary 3D of the other reality just to rest, just to relax, just to be awareness without having to put on the the show, if you will. And that feels really, really good. So I go there as often as I want whenever it feels good. And I go there for the pure joy of it, not for any other reason, because I know that this reality is not the only one we're trapped in and say trapped. (laughs) Everyone's like, wait, you even want to leave? But like, we're not limited just to this reality. We can create other ones as well. And so I choose to. Now we have Just Combining who said, yay for the Q&A, I love them. Number one, does the identity shift from Jess to Vela feel finite to you at this point in time? Or do you feel there potentially could be one or some more waiting for you down the line of a lifetime? Oh my goodness, the identity shift from Jess to Vela, who knows? I didn't even think Bella would happen as Jess before a year ago. So 
I will be just as surprised as everyone else <laughs> if something else happens, but I guess we'll just have to find out, won't we? I have no idea. Um, number two, considering how far you've come on your inner journey, do things like ruminating and freaking out over very unpleasant life events, like thinking about your Australian mean lawyer back in the day, for example, even happen to you anymore? Well, I did have the experience of the riptide, which I mentioned in episodes a few months ago. That was a very f- freaking out experience. But I spent the next, the rest of that day and any time following that, I think I really got out most of that day, maybe the following day too. I just beanbagged the crap out of that experience to get it to a neutral place. So that didn't end up lasting or lingering. It's something that I remember happened, but if I remember it as vaguely as if it was a dream that I experienced. Like I could go back to that scene in my reality, but there's no more emotion around it. And that is incredible because I'm no longer recreating that scene because there's no more trigger to go back to it. There's no more energy or power in it because I beanbagged so specifically immediately to get it out. So the discomfort was there, but initially at the time and a bit of suffering in the initial experience and right after, but I released all the suffering so that the experience happened, but is no longer trapping me in an emotional tornado. There's no more vortex about that now. So yeah, sometimes things can still come up like that and then I can beanbag. And so getting, I guess you could say more efficient with it all. (laughs) So it does happen, but I can also get past it, which I also love. Now we have uh, Amy who said, what is the incense brand that you love so much? I have two. I like Gentle Habits, which is an Australian brand. And I like Boda, which is a Los Angeles brand. The Boda is an incense with smokelessness to it. So when you light it, it doesn't create smoke, which I like because the scents are wonderful, but also I can do a podcast, for example, and I won't be coughing from the smoke, but I also love the smoke uh, effect and seeing it in my flat and just seeing it curly cues and watching it uh, light up into the air. So the Gentle Habits, which does do like the traditional smoking style of incense, I also like using, just not when I'm podcasting particularly, um, but I just love both of them. Their branding is beautiful for both. And I just, the Gentle Habits owner um, is super sweet and approachable. She has some amazing other products as well that aren't just incense related, like bath oils and lotions. She even sent me some kindly when she saw me raving. I bought like eight boxes of her incense at stores and then I linked to her on Instagram. And so she sent me some lotion. I think I already had the lotion, but she sent me some more, which was really nice. And I just think her branding and her products smell and work so well. So highly recommend if you're in Australia. I even know some uh, lively community people figured out from my stories the love for the gentle habits and they bought it themselves for America, which is cute. Um, So I guess you can get it there. You just have to get it imported, but it's possible. Now we have Paige Schultz who said, hi, Bella. I know you always say that suffering is optional, but I'm curious if you make a distinction between suffering and discomfort. Do you see discomfort as necessary part of growth or is that paradigm that can be shifted to? I think that discomfort in this reality can be experience, well, both suffering and discomfort can both be experienced, but I'm going to kind of pull an Eckhart Tolle on you on this and say that discomfort, like physical pain, for example, is uncomfortable, but the suffering from physical pain would be as Eckhart would define it emotional. So the emotional and physical 
pain, so the emotional suffering or physical pain are parts of this reality, but how much we stay stuck in either of them is changeable, is shiftable, but they both still exist. Kind of like they're both keys on the emotional keyboard or physical reality landscape. They're both things that could happen or keys on your keyboard. How much you actually press those buttons in your reality is much more choosable. You don't avoid the key, but you don't have to keep pressing the key all the time and hold it down forever. <laughs> Just make that the only note you play. So that's more the way he always talks about suffering being optional. And I've noticed a few different experiences in the last few days where I've probably had like three where I've been noticing, wow, my mind might have a preference or a story on something, but the emotions that might have in the past been connected to that same situation aren't triggering emotions. Like the suffering's not happening. The emotion's not going. And I was like, oh, this is freedom. This is nice. I love this. Like, it's so nice to be able to be clear without having to drag around the emotion behind it. Just be able to be in the duality of reality without so much emotional suffering is these weren't like huge deals, but like just even the minor amount that would have otherwise in the past been there was nice to see. It was just like, this is more peaceful. <laughs> I can still have the same preference in the mind, but I don't have to have the emotional juggernaut energy kind of behind it. So as far as could it be shifted to the discomfort? I think we can reinterpret and reperceive the growth. And so in that sense, it can be changed. But the actual growth itself and releasing limiting beliefs, which is a lot of times what feels scary to the mind on a metaphysical, emotional level, that I think you have to see and accept as, oh, I'm releasing something that I'm limited to. But when the mind sees what it's limited to, and has to release it, it's usually scared of going into the unknown and trusting on the other side of that. And so it has to be able to reinterpret that perception instead of being afraid of the unknown to being more welcoming to the unknown. And I think if that can happen, then yes, it can be shifted, but how willing and able minds are to taking that shift of perception on is variable between the individual themselves. So some people could do it. And I think the more people that do shift that perception to being comfortable or feeling that the unknown is potentially safe or benevolent or positive, then the more people will also follow along kind of mass consciousness style into a general trend. But right now the trend has been to be afraid of the unknown. And so it then fears releasing the limiting beliefs. And then it fears the dis and it and interprets that discomfort of growth as suffering and as emotionally difficult. So great question, Paige. That's a really good question. Okay, there we have it, guys. Oh my goodness. One hour on the dot as I do this. What a joy. Thank you all so much for sending in your questions. Thank you as always for listening. I'm very excited to go into this new era, the lively world era as we are now in, but also into what is on the other side after we release the Beauty of Life episodes next week. I've got some fun new ideas. I've got another friend for you to meet who you haven't met yet. I think Jess, the friend that you guys loved so much hearing me talk to, may also make a reappearance. I'll be doing some more solo shows if you like those as well. I love doing them, so I hope you like them too. And yeah, let's see where it flows from here. Whether you've been listening from episode one or this is your first one, may something wonderful happen to you today. <laughs> <laughs>